Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. 135 in Edmonton. Welcome back, everybody. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Scott with you on Oilers Now. Royal Pizza, Pizza Pasta, and so much more. Edmonton owned and operated for over 50-plus years. 13 locations in Edmonton to serve you, including the original Royal Pizza in Old Strathcona. You can visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. The Stoffer recommendation is the Mediterranean chicken. Just before we bring aboard Jack Michaels, I, I got to read a tweet from Bill Burr, one of the top comedians out there. Uh, many of you would have seen him at an event in Edmonton out at the River Cree Resort and Casino about three years ago. Um, very, uh, you know, probably one of the top five comics in the business right now and with a, a heavy uh, sports influence. And he said, uh, after the Maple Leafs lost uh, in Game 7, which I know broke the hearts of many of you out there, the Tor- this is a direct uh, tweet from Bill Burr, the Toronto Maple Leafs are the only team that can make Cleveland Brown fans feel lucky. Well, we're joined on the line by a Cleveland Browns fan, and I want to ask him whether or not that's true. Jack Michaels from the NHL Hockey on Rogers, and obviously the Oilers Radio Network as well. Jack, how you doing? Well, grudgingly concede, you got Bill Burr right because he hosted Saturday Night Live this past season. So you had that one right. However, he just dropped a notch or two because it's a stark reminder that uh, the Leafs won their most recent championship before the Browns did. So, uh, 67 for the Maple Leafs. When's yes. The, when's the last time the Browns would have I mean they were a powerhouse team coming what was it the old American it wasn't the NFL what was it called one of the last two years on earth before Bob Stoffer came to pass 1964 so 64 so now had Green Bay already Green Bay won in what uh, 66 67 Green Bay won 61 and 62 and then won again in 65 they beat the Browns in 65 and then won the first two Super Bowls in 66 and 67. Was it the Giants that won in 63? 
No, the Bears beat the Giants uh, in the championship game right. that year. And the Giants and uh, Baltimore played that 58 game, which many people credit as sort of the advent and the, the, the kickoff for major teams. And then, ma- and then they beat them again ma- in 59. Team. And then yep. in 1960, I took you. Uh, we had a chance to uh, see the site of the 1960 NFL championship game, one of our first road trips together. Uh, I I think you enjoyed it when we went to Franklin Field in Philadelphia. You got a kick out of that. Uh, next to what are, uh, that was was that Chuck Panarek? Is that who they had the correct? The and it was down? right next to the 1912 Arena or whatever it is where the Oilers practice every <laughs> once in a while. Where I looked at you and said, "There's a rumor that the Oilers are going to be trading uh, Neil Yakupov for J.T. Miller." And we were both. Yes. Yes. Then there was that other scene in and around another trade, which we won't get into. On oh, well, program. you know what? Sometimes guys need to, uh, got, you know, when, when somebody tries to tell somebody else where they can stand at a hotel, they need to hear back on that front, Jack. That's all I'm going to say. So let's, <laughs> so let's get back to it for a second. Uh, Cleveland or Toronto? I mean, deep, you know, as you were watching uh, Game 7, at what point did you think the Maple Leafs were in trouble against uh, the, the Montreal Canadiens? I really thought it was, you know, I, I thought 10 minutes into the game. Because, quite frankly, I, I felt like the Leafs made some of the same mistakes the Oilers did in, in really the first 10 minutes of Game 1. And they did it in the, in the last three games of the series. I, for three games in a row particularly in Game 5, but even in Game 7, the Leafs kind of tried to ease their way into the game, but they were allowing, you know, the team that they had the upper hand on all year long to ease their way into the game as well and and to not feel nervous and to slowly, you know, build confidence. And I just just thought that was a a huge mistake. Even even without Tavares, the Leafs outmanned Montreal and, and should have, you know, kind of seized that opportunity, and 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 they they didn't, and they didn't for three consecutive games. The Oilers made the mistake in the first period of Game One, and then thereafter, I, I thought that was basically you know an even series, and and the Oilers you know played as well as they could, and, and were ultimately outplayed you know very marginally, uh, but but across the board, Toronto. You know, I mean, up three games to one, that series was there to be put away. I, I don't think Montreal had a lot of hope. And first period of game five, they just came out completely flat. No excuse for it. And uh, and, and and reminiscent of, a, you know, uh, unfortunately, what, what Edmonton, I think, suffered a little bit last year uh, in coming out a bit flat for game one against Chicago. Different type of team, not as physical as Montreal. The Oilers kind of last year, I think, played to the Blackhawks style. This year, I thought it was different. I, again, after the first period of game one, I'd suggest it was, you know, essentially, you know, a, a quasi-even series. But, you know, when you're when you've had a run of six in a row, uh, sometimes things even out over the course of a year. And I, I think that I think that worked in Winnipeg's favor. But you know what? Uh, for both Toronto and Edmonton, I think it's it's two teams that will look back on this season as a missed opportunity. Uh, Epstein's mother has texted the show to say, Jack, okay, wait a sec here. Can you maybe ask, Jack, did the Cleveland Browns not at least make it to a conference championship game a couple times in the 80s? Because the Leafs haven't been to the... Uh, oh, been- yeah. No, no, 100%. I was just saying they haven't won 
the league championship. But, yeah, they made it to conference championships in 86, 87, and 89. Uh, so, I mean, but that wasn't the question. Your, your question was, when you know, when was the last time they won it? Yeah. And that was 64. I mean, for that matter, the Browns also lost in, in 68 and 69. 68, they lost to the Colts. 69, uh, they lost the former CFL great Joe Cap and the Minnesota Vikings. There you go. Coach uh, by former Blue Bombers coach, as you know, Bud Grant. Yeah, 60 for 40. Wasn't that the line back then? Wasn't that Joe's line? And you never, yep. you know what? You never wanted to underrate, underrate uh, Joe's punching ability. Just ask Angela Mosca. <laughs> He was a tough guy. There's a there's a famous highlight from that 1969 uh, championship game against Cleveland where he ran over a linebacker and the guy's out before he hits the ground. Yeah, well, uh, that's that's there was a different time obviously back then. All right, Jack. So let's uh, let's get to it here. Uh, you know, Toronto out, um, and we'll get to Mark Andre Fleury and Carey Price. And, and I, I said after the Leafs got eliminated. You know, Montreal, for me, I liked their, the makeup of their team at the start of the year. I couldn't figure out why they weren't better during the course of the year. And then uh, they ended up going pretty good. But the one thing I will say, the markets. Like, to me, I, I don't know about you, but do you not find Montreal a way more rewarding experience to go in a broadcast game from than in Toronto? Well, absolutely. I mean, as you know, Bob, the uh, Scotiabank Arena, it's now called, was essentially, you know, built for – the Toronto Raptors, and, and then, you know, obviously became home of the Maple Leafs as well. So there is a, a bit of an antiseptic feel to Toronto's arena. I think you'd agree with me that if you close your eyes and, and didn't, you know, didn't know where you were and opened your eyes real quick, you could be in any one of maybe 10 or 11 National Hockey League buildings in, in Toronto, whereas Montreal – I think uh, has done a, a remarkable job of of having number one. They've taken care of the building. I mean, that's not a new building anymore, Bob. I believe it's twenty five years old, yep. and it's it's immaculate. Whereas I, I think you'd agree with me, St. Louis, the building is the same age, and for a while there, now they've improved in that regard. But for a while there, St. Louis wasn't, in my opinion, taking proper care of its building. Montreal has done that. And I would suggest even when it was one day old, it has a very old school feel to it. Maybe it's the steepness of the building or the darkness that seems to, you know, shroud the arena. They, they just do a great job of capturing what I would envision it would have been like to see a game at the forum in the, in the mid to late 1950s. It's a, it's a fabulous place. Uh, the building appreciates good players. In, in many ways, it's it's a market that is the eastern equivalent of, of Edmonton, in my sense, that, that there's a real passion for not just the home team, but the absolute stalwarts that make up the National Hockey League. We have had an ongoing debate, Carey Price, Marc-Andre Fleury. Fleury's put together you know, three pretty good years here in Vegas, uh, up for the Vezina this year. Were you surprised at how well Price played come crunch time against Toronto, or do you think that was more a byproduct of the Leafs' performance? No, I mean, I, I still think Carey Price can play. I, you know, when we have these friendly debates, it's, it's important to note that I don't think either one of us is just you know, slamming the other guy. No, it's just no. when I look at, you know, and it's it's actually for Flurry now, it's four, you know, years when many people thought, oh, Matt Murray's 
taken over. And, and you know what? I mean, Matt Murray played more games, certainly in the Stanley Cup final and in the last two rounds of the playoffs than Marc-Andre Fleury did in the last two years. But I think time and history has borne out that Marc-Andre Fleury not only is a great goalie when he's playing goal, but he's a great goalie and a great teammate, even when he's not playing goal, and and is a support beam for in in this case Matt Murray and and you know last year to some extent for Robin Leonard, uh, and and he's just a guy that that absolutely is beloved by his teammates and has and has turned out a great year. But you know what, Carey Price. Uh, I give him a lot of credit, Bob, because not only you know did he play well in the series, but he played well after a solid month of inactivity. I mean, he he didn't come in to that series with you know a strong last week of a regular season or even you know regular playing time. And so again, he's he's a fantastic goalie. I just feel like Mark Andre Fleury is the more accomplished and should be remembered as the goalie with the better career. All right, uh, let's get to Vegas and Colorado. Uh, what is it about Vegas that they get, like, I mean, the, the, the call, i got to watch it here because Phil, the Fear of the Fin fan, San Jose Sharks fan, the call that resulted you know, in the five-minute major penalty that allowed uh, San Jose to get back in a critical, was that game six or game seven against Vegas in that series? That was, uh, that was wasn't that, wasn't that, uh, that was game seven. But Vegas, I mean, the one criticism you can levy at Vegas is, you know they've led some series three games to one, and and then allowed the allowed the opponent yes. to get back in the series. And who knows if this one goes six or seven against Colorado, allowing the Minnesota series to go seven may catch up with them just because of the the attrition factor. But yeah, I, I know where you're going. It was a it was a real tough slash slashing call the other it's night. It's a terrible call. It's a terrible overtime. call. Yeah, it was, it's a it, was, terrible it was a bad call. call. It's a bad call. They don't call that all playoff like. They didn't call any penalties in the first game at all between Edmonton and Winnipeg. Mark Jonette, a guy who does not tend to call a lot of penalties, sort of set a standard where anything went. And it wouldn't surprise me if there was a conversation that occurred because they started calling more right away in game three. But that was a joke. An absolute but, joke. But ultimately, I think you'd agree with me that the way that series was called, you know, I mean, yes, the standard was the same for both teams, but I think ultimately it, it favored Winnipeg a little no bit question, because no when you've got a guy like Connor McDavid and he doesn't draw a call in four games, and for that matter, yes. he didn't draw a call in four games against Chicago either. You know that that doesn't help you. And and look, Winnipeg's got a good power play too, but. One of the reasons I felt Edmonton would win the series is that all year long, Edmonton had just been a little stronger in all the areas that Winnipeg was strong at. Well, when one of those kind of goes by the boards in three of the four games, and especially, you know, especially overtime of game four, I mean, again, I don't want to get completely sidetracked here, but there are a couple of plays where after Yamamoto had been called for a penalty, I think ultimately, if you believe in the marble should even up theory that, 
that Edmonton should have got one. I mean, there was one where Tricycle, that would have been a, uh, that would have been a horse collar. That was the horse collar that broke Tio's uh, ankle a few years ago. So in any event, uh, that's neither here nor there. I, I still think that Vegas Colorado series is, is far from over, Bob. I, I think that I series is, is going to go six or seven. I really believe that. I don't, I don't believe I, that to me was a killer loss for the Golden. You think Colorado is going to finish it off in four or five now? It, I, now I'm going to go Colorado in five. I think originally I had Colorado in six, but that was a, like, Vegas deserved to win that game. Top one to lose, for sure. Yep, yep, no question about Jack, thanks for joining us. Have a great That's weekend. Oh my God, I, I talked my way through my whole segment, huh? 15 minutes. We went 15 minutes. I got to wrap up the show in the final three minutes of the show. So, Bob, you've been putting up with me for 11 years. You should be used to it by now. Yeah, I, I know. It's it's excellent. I get arrested at times. It's good. <laughs> <laughs> Take care, man. Have a great uh, weekend. You too. That's Jack Michaels from NHL Hockey and Rogers and the Oilers Radio Network. All right. Uh, let's go to a quick couple texts in the Ashley Fine Floors text line that I want to get in before uh, we shut her down for today. From former defenseman Mark, afternoon, Bob and Brendan. The Seth Jones uh, contemplation would only work if Edmonton were to give up um, Broberg or Bouchard. Tying up $8 million in both Jones and Nurse would result in no money left for the up-and-comers. They would be cap casualties down the road. The problem with giving up on an R&H is that Jones doesn't fix, Seth Jones doesn't fix the Oilers' problems. Edmonton lacks depth at forwards. Um while Jones would be a solid ad, absolutely, it would uh, be like in Anaheim where they had Pronger and Niederreiter. And no, neither Jones nor Nurse are at either of those individual levels at this stage. They'd be a nice 1-8 and one eight nonetheless. What the Oilers need to be able to do is to convince R&H that there can be more money elsewhere, but Edmonton will give you a chance for a shot to the cup or multiple cups. R&H, for instance, has to realize that the landscape has changed. He'll need to take less money if he wishes to remain. And that one comes to us from former defenseman Mark. I think Ryan's going to have some suitors out there in free agency. My hope is Ryan Nugent Hopkins remains at Edmonton Oilers. Uh, but he does have options. So there you go. Again, you can text us 780-496-0063. Uh, <laughs> what? This text says, D.K. Metcalf's touchdown-saving chase-down on, uh, was it Buda Baker versus Mark Scheifele's chase-down of Jake Evans. Who did it better? I would say uh, D.K. Metcalf because he stopped uh, the DB from the corner from scoring on that play. And uh, unfortunately for Scheifele, he did not stop Jake Evans from scoring and is now suspended, deservedly so, may I add, for, for relative to this time frame, uh, for four games. We got a pair of Jacks coming up. Well, we just had Jack Michaels on. We're going to have, um, sorry, a pair of Johns coming up on Monday. A pair of Johns. NHL insider John Shannon and from Global Television, John Sexsmith. Uh, they will be two of our guests coming up on Monday's edition of Orders Now. We might do something a little unique on Monday as well. We'll get to that a little bit. Uh, well, we'll tease you over the course of the weekend. Reed Wilkins has inside sports tonight from 6 to 8, and then he's got a week off. I hope he's making a count tonight. Brendan, what's he got rolling? Uh, that's a mystery to me at this point. Sounds like a fluid show. <laughs> okay, well, sometimes you got to BS your way through it. Uh, Reed Wilkins with a fluid show right now. He's uh, probably just uh, finishing another round out of the ra- uh, at the ranch at this time. Uh, all right, there you have it. 
152 in Edmonton. Bob Stoffer, Brendan Escott with you. We will tell you. Again, you can always text us at 780-496-0063 and uh, tweet us at Oilers Now. Uh, Lee says, Bob, maybe it's been mentioned many times before, but what about Carter Hart? Any chance for a trade that may involve our first or top prospect? That's going to be an interesting one for Lee. Uh, good question. I don't see Philadelphia making a move on him at this stage. Again, you can text us 780-496-0063. Uh, Bob, you had somebody say that only Burton Cummings was a good thing to come out of Winnipeg. What about Willard Reeves? Great guy, great person. Wow. Okay. It was That's a trade that didn't work out for the Eskimos. And a trade uh, that involved Taylor Hall's dad. Steve Hall was part of that deal that sent uh, Willard Reeves to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers where he became a, a multiple-time Shenley Award winner back in the day. Have a wonderful weekend, everybody. Up next, the global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell, followed by Rob Breckenridge from 2 to 3, and then the 6.30 chat afternoons with Jalen I, 3 to 6. So long, everybody. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 6.30 chat.